1: all right it's uh, six minutes after 11 a.m on your saturday morning wait what is that outside what's that big bright thing in the sky surrounded by all that blue is that what they call sun I'm not from i i got to google this i don't even know what i'm looking at out here but uh, there you go it's a saturday and finally some sunshine get out there and enjoy the sucker get some air in your lungs get that heart rate up man get out and enjoy it dr lou good to talk to you again my brother how are you john good morning
0: i'm well how are you doing
1: I am. Uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm still fogging up a mirror, so it's going to be a good day for now. What uh? What are we talking about today? Pat?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's. Number one, you always you always start the show with it, except today, which is disappointing. But that's okay. I still love you. <laughs> um, the phone calls. I love the phone calls. So call in, ask your questions. That's my favorite thing. My public service announcement that I've been doing since the beginning of COVID. Get out, be active. Uh, I think it's so tremendously important that people live an active lifestyle, um, and that includes, you know, a combination of moderate physical activity, healthy eating, and whatever variation of that may be, right? Like, I'm not I'm not someone who's so stringent on how that exactly gets defined, and I, it also relates to what your genetic profile is, which is part of what I want to talk about today, which is the mm-hmm. genomic testing that I'm now offering as well, um, and, and just a whole... Like, one of the things, you know, every week is so hyper-focused on one thing. Um, more of a general, all-around uh, show about Pinpoint Health and everything that, um, you know, me and my team can offer people. Uh, you know, it's not something I do that often. I try not to make this an infomercial, but very much more uh, a public health p- platform to to get things out, mainly about musculoskeletal health. Uh, but it's good for people to know sort of the things um, that are available and probably... You know, there's no more important time to let people know this than during this time of lockdowns where, you know, when things lock down, it's, people still don't understand that most of healthcare care um, at the community level, at the very least, is operating. Uh, so in a safe way, obviously, the the hospital things and some elective surgeries have been delayed, unfortunately, and there's consequences to that. There will be I've been saying this since last March, the, the, the consequences that we will see um, that COVID has caused outside of just the disease itself. The health consequences are going to be enormous. And we've already started to see this. We've even I've even um, this was about, you know, cancer surgeries that didn't happen. And and there's real consequences to this thing. And, and this isn't me saying right or wrong one way or another that that is not my objective it's just highlighting that there has to be a trade-off right anytime that that there's a compromise made a compromise comes with a trade-off and unfortunately that trade-off that was made when all of this happened um, is going to result in other consequences that were unintended obviously but a reality of a system that is fundamentally probably flawed from a very very long time ago this isn't something that was you know just happened and and no one could have otherwise uh, known or, you know, and that that's the reality of it, so the ability to adapt uh, with such short notice is obviously extremely hard uh, but, you know, a lot of people that Especially work in healthcare, like myself, um, we've seen these fundamental problems over the years. These things that you know could have that you could have looked at and said, "Hey, if there's a disaster scenario like a pandemic, it's probably going to be an absolute disaster." Um, and here it is, right? And and so mm-hmm. this is a fun. And again, that's also not my expertise. I'm not a politician. I don't make policy. Uh, I'm just sort of reiterating what I really want to focus in on is that there are consequences to the average person, the average listener of this show. Um, and again, here we're dealing mainly with musculoskeletal health, but these things have great, great impact, right? And most of the elective surgeries um, that are being uh, delayed, or at least in in the, the areas that I work, um, are the things, the elective surgeries for things like knee replacements, hip replacements. Uh, and that has real consequences. That's not... You know, you've got to stop and consider that, you know, take the average person getting a knee replacement might be, I don't know, 70, right? Like, let's just say that that's the number. It's not an unreasonable number. And that's being delayed. And they're in such severe pain um, that they want to get that done so that they can still stay somewhat mobile and do things. And now this person's not having that done. What does that do to their now inability to move, which contributes to more poor cardiovascular health. And it actually puts them at risk for other things for cardiovascular issues, stroke, all of these things when you're not moving around. So there's, there's real consequences to that pain is not one of these things that you know, the the unfortunate part of the world that we that I live in with pain and injury management is that people think pain and injury is just this temporary thing that doesn't have this long term problem behind it. And that's not true at all. And I've talked, over, you know, almost five years of doing this show at length, what, you know, chronic pain um, can create in people and what chronic injuries can create and how it's a, a negative spiral in so many other aspects of health. And, and that that is really a, a very, very real thing that often people in acute scenarios, you know, that perks up and just has back pain for the first time or a second time. It only lasts for a week or whatever it is they don't realize the un- the unfortunate consequences of what can happen when this when this keeps happening and you know I was seeing uh I was speaking with someone this week seeing a patient who hurt their back for the very first time um ever and and they were a young person in their early 20s um and you know it got better Relatively quick, like within a few weeks, they were better. Um, but there's still some residual stuff going on there. And you know, one of the questions that he asked me was, you know, how long before this is totally gone? And I said, well, what do you mean by totally gone? Uh, and he said, well, you know, to the point where this isn't something affecting my life because I could barely move when this first happened. And you know, that's when I had to pump the brakes and really give him the stats that I like to throw out a lot. To show is that the reality is number one, the lifetime prevalence of back pain is eighty percent, which means at any point. of the population could be experiencing back pain. Or if we look at it another way, that you have an 80% chance in your life that you will develop back pain at some point. The reality of that is once you've developed back pain once, you're more likely to develop it a second time. In fact, the number is about a little over 80% that you will re-experience that back pain again within one year. We're not talking about for the rest of your life, within one year. And then that number just keeps going up and up and up. And so this is something that, again, I see because I have the ability to see um, the lifetime of these types of patients at different points. And I've seen people who are hurt in a short instance and have a very short history, and I see the person who has a long history of back pain, and they all start the same way. They start that way that that young 20-year-old was talking to me about, whereas one incident got better relatively quickly and wondering, you know, when will it be completely gone? And that's when I had to say, you know, the advantage you have here is I can tell you what the reality will be if you don't do the right things. And I can also tell you the reality of what will happen if, if, if you do do the right things. And the reality is that you're never going to stop that from coming back again. But if you, if you focus on the right things from a rehabilitation standpoint, what you will do is you're going to prevent the reoccurrence of it as much as possible. And even if it does reoccur, it's likely to be less intense, uh, less duration, less frequency, and you'll know what to do. And that's a tremendous thing. When you have that knowledge, when you can intervene because you understand the diagnosis. And so, you know, this, this, this notion that musculoskeletal pain um, is just something that happens in an instant and is gone, which a lot of people think that way about, you know, pain and injury is not really the case. These things can oftentimes create a, a lifetime of agony for people, unfortunately, and there's very real consequences to this. In fact, you look at something like low back pain, uh, it's it's the second cause to um lost time at work, like obviously, you know, now that's completely overshadowed by COVID. That's been an absolute disaster. But in general times, most people that lose economic productivity, it's due to the common cold followed by low back pain. Uh, that's tremendous. Those those numbers are staggering, and that's a staggering impact on the economics of our world.
1: Well, I mean, again, uh, as we mentioned, it is a live show, uh, 416-870-6400. You have some issues of the uh Physical nature you want to talk about this morning, bring it on. you got lots of time, 416-870-6400. I mean, you and I could do a a rolling tour on this whole topic. I I just reached out to you this past week. I mean, two weeks ago I was doing something as simple as, you know, picking up my dog's business, and boom, it hit me again. This first started, to your point, talking to this young guy, this first episode for me, a major episode which laid me on my back for six weeks, happened almost 30 years ago. I was 21, And I am 50 now. And, uh, you know, it's happened numerous times, countless times since then, but it had been some time. And, you know, you you and I have talked about this a hundred times. I, you know, I work out as best I can when my gym is open. Thank you very much. But I cycle. I keep my weight down. I got a good diet. I'm reasonably, I'm reasonably good shape for a guy my age. It doesn't matter. It'll crop up. And every time I run into someone like you experience, the first thing I say is get on top of it. Go see somebody, start exercising, keep that back strong. Trust me, you do not want to be chasing this dragon 30 years down the road. Take it from me. You don't want that hassle. Take care of yourself.
0: And, John, the unfortunate reality is that that person may very well chase that dragon, but like you, and and where you deserve credit in two places. Number one, you're too modest. You're in very good shape for for your age. But that's also what contributes to... To your ability to still have back pain, there are going to unfortunately be times. Mm -hmm. Remember, the stat is once you experience it once, you're 80% likely to experience it again within a year. Uh, The reality is if you do the right things, you can do what you've done and still be able to live your life and manage it when it does rear its ugly head.
1: Lots of time still to uh, chime through. You have some issues you want to talk about this morning. That's why Dr. Lou is here. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Pinpoint 6400 PinpointHealth.ca. clinics are open. They are helping people. So don't be shy. Reach out to one of the clinics near you and get uh, get the uh, get the job done. We'll uh, we'll take a short break and get to our phone calls. I see you there, Michael, stand by and your calls as well. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Pinpoint Health Show. Global News Radio. That is a great idea. Pick up that phone over the uh, rest of the hour, 416-870-6400. Just ask your question. man. There's probably so many other people out there that are suffering or wondering about a similar thing that uh, that ails you. Bring it on, 416-870-6400. Outside of that, info at pinpointhealth.ca, the email address. And if you want to get a hold of Dr. Lou and his crew any other time, one 855 Five, Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. It is just that simple. But we'll get back to it. Michael, thank you so much for hanging on through the break. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Uh, I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Excellent. Uh, I, uh, I hope that uh,
0: Dr. Lou uh, can help me out with this situation. I have a 60-year-old
1: sister who um, was laid off during COVID and not rehired. So she's gone on to EI. And my sister
0: has been forced to move back in to live with my parents, who are both housebound senior citizens uh, that require her attention constantly. I'm wondering what benefits would be available to my sister for being the one that is actually caring for these two senior citizens. I have honestly no idea. That's... that's Seems like more of a social work or legal type of uh, question. Um, there are much, much better people uh, than me to answer that. So unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to just have to simply say I, I have no idea. I, I don't think that's really within my scope.
1: Yeah, Michael, it's more it's more the fact that if it was something that, you know, from a, a physical standpoint, a medical standpoint, that, that his sister had to deal with the parents, that would be your bailiwick and that would be your wheelhouse for sure. But I'm sure there's, there's some, some government you know, information, websites in that regard, maybe even employment stuff as far as as uh, as far as that's concerned. But, you know, to 416-870-6400, by the way, the number to call in just like Michael did there briefly. Uh, back to what you are saying, Ed, is it's so important to, uh, you know, take these what appears to be acute pains and just pay them a little attention moving forward, right? I'm talking beyond COVID as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, again, it's, it's a message that I have been consistently trying to drive um for the length of time that i've been doing the show it like it, it, i the simplest way i can put this is anything that is acute is always going to be easier to treat in in the musculoskeletal world i'll asterisk that than anything that is chronic always it, it just it's it's almost a law more than it is like just a theory or whatever like it, acute things are always always simpler to deal with because you know one of the things that i've spoken about on this show as well is the component of pain when things last for a long time? You get what's called neuropathic pain. So, so nerve pathways that are built uh, as a result of your neurology, your brain, and everything, and the way that that happens. And and the most extreme example of that is phantom limb pain. And yeah. so, what phantom limb pain is is when people have lost a limb, um, they can still have pain in that phantom limb so take the example of say someone who unfortunately had to lose their right leg as an example these people sometimes will still experience pain in their right foot now remember what i just said that limb was removed and and not only do they experience it but they still feel it in the in the in the space where that foot would be and and it's a and it's an incredible thing like it shows you the the absolute power of the mind and and the reason why i always bring this up and i bring it up to patients is because the absence of the of the body itself that physical limb does not erase what is imprinted in your brain and and this again is the most extreme example of what neuropathic pain is now remember that doesn't this also doesn't mean that everybody that loses a limb gets phantom limb pain i'm just using this extreme example to highlight um the case that the mind has this control over our bodies. And, you know, anytime I'm having a conversation with someone in chronic pain, and, and this sort of comes up, uh, you know, and I, and I talk about neuropathic pain or psychosomatic, and I use these terms, and they'll say, Well, that's like saying like, that that it's in your mind. And it's like, Well, number one, everything is in your mind, the reality of everything is in your mind, uh, the communication of that mind to your body is through your spinal cord and through your nerves. And 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 that is a very real thing. And another extreme example that I use is people who unfortunately have spinal cord injuries, um, you know, you can light their legs on fire and they'd never feel a, a thing because their pain sensation is completely gone. So yes, the, the mind, the communication of the mind, pain is not something you experience in your limb. What you experience in that limb, in your extremity, wherever we're talking about, low back foot, doesn't matter what you're experiencing is a sensation. That information is taken back to your brain. Your brain then does the work to process that and determine what that sensation becomes. And so we have these different types of receptors in our body, Um, might be a temperature receptor, It might be a light touch receptor, a pain receptor, whatever it is, a mechanoreceptor, and it will tell us information that then the, the brain has to interpret and create something that we perceive. So, you know, Yes, it is in the mind, but that's not a diminishing factor. That's, that's the thing about this is every time I say that to someone, the next thing I follow it up with, that doesn't mean it's any less real. It's as real as can possibly be. It's just the way it works. Anytime it's no different than learning to ride a bicycle. you can watch a kid who is learning to ride a bicycle and they're thinking about every single aspect of that, right? Yeah. Until they build this neuropathic pathway in which, boom, it doesn't, they don't have to think about it. They just get on it and they do it. That is the same, the same thing, the same way we can do that with learning to ride a bicycle. We can do that with our perception of pain, which is not advantageous, unfortunately, but it, it is the reality of what can happen. And that's a lot of what constitutes chronic pain. And that is much, much more difficult than an acute scenario that is more likely to be purely physical than it, ha- than it will be to have that neuropathic component. And that is fund- the, 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 basic, the most basic reason why acute is so much easier to deal with than chronic.
1: It almost sounds like you know, as it becomes more chronic from the acute stage onward, it sounds like it could be exponentially tougher to treat. I mean, I liken it to you know a surface scratch in your car. Yeah, it's nothing now, but if you ignore it, it's eventually going to rust right through your quarter panel. I mean, you don't want to get to that state, right? So, it's it's early intervention, I guess, on your part, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah, and and, and that the the mechanical analogy of a car is the same for the mechanic like remember it's more complicated than just neuropathic pain what you said there uh, 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 remove the mind the body is still a mechanical piece and no different than a car that you know when the problem is small it's going to have smaller consequences and as the problem gets bigger we'll have bigger consequences and a good example of that is arthritis of the knee or something like that right where you know once the arthritis is minimal it will maybe cause little to no pain and if it progresses to a very severe point um, it will cause very severe pain and we see this in patients that have severe osteoarthritis they're in a tremendous amount of pain because of that purely mechanical feature so it's not just neuropathic the body is also a a machine to an extent it has mechanical features and those biomechanical features are going to have an impact when they're breaking down and so dealing with anything Earlier on in managing it is the key. And we were talking about your example, John, with your low back pain. And I was giving you credit about, you know, what you've done. It's really the right story. The unfortunate uh, thing about musculoskeletal pain is the story that's often sold is that it can be cured. And that's not the reality. It's very easy to talk to someone who's been diagnosed with diabetes and maybe tell them, listen, you're going to have to eat a certain way, diet a certain way, uh, sorry, exercise a certain way, take a certain medication for the rest of your life. And they sit there and say, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Yep. Sometimes that's the unfortunate conversation of what I have to have with people. It's like, yeah, you have back pain, and you're unfortunately going to have back pain for the rest of your life. But that doesn't mean that every minute of every day. What it means is it will unfortunately, like you, John, mm-hmm. you can go years and feel absolutely, totally fine. Uh, or maybe some days you feel a little worse than other days. You'll have fluctuations. And then some days like last week, you hurt yourself a little bit more. It's a management approach in musculoskeletal pain a lot of the time. And that and that is something that's often not communicated well. The idea of a cure is what's communicated, like we'll get you better and it will never be anything that you have to deal with. Again, that is not true. That is most of the time not true. You know, 90% of the time what you're dealing with is, okay, here's the issue, here's how you're going to manage it. I've even seen people like one of the things – that, that happens. Let's say you have a fracture. I, I had a, a person uh, this week who, who had a fracture, um, They the fracture clinic and everything. And they said, you know, the, the orthopedic surgeon told me that I'm going to get arthritis quicker now in this area. And it's like, yeah, you are because you've had trauma to that area. Although that fracture is going to heal and you're not going to feel any consequences of that fracture in six to eight weeks, you unfortunately at some point in your life may very well feel the other consequences that happen, which is more degeneration, more arthritis that will accumulate in that area as a result of that injury. So that's a management thing. There's no, there's no cure. There's a short-term solution, but there's a long-term trade-off with all of these things. And that's the way healthcare works. And that's the way a lot of life works is where's the trade-off? And, and that is what, you know, a lot of the times as practitioners and healthcare professionals, and what I really pride myself in doing is educating people on this, because that, that, those things aren't necessarily negative. You know, the, the research is consistent when you look at health. Education and empowerment very much helps with patient outcomes. So if you can make someone understand these things early on, in in anything, then it gives them that education and empowerment and their prognosis actually gets better because once they know, then they know the things that they should avoid, the things that they should do, the things they should be looking out for. That's a very, very powerful tool, which unfortunately in sort of modern day medicine with how quick people go through the system, that education and empowerment is often you know, taken out of the equation. And, and yet it's something that consistently shows up in the research to be one of the most important things. And it's one of the things that when I sit down with a patient, you know, I spend the mo- majority of my time uh, educating and empowering the person to understand what it is that's going on with them because that's really where I think there's the greatest benefit. And, and we see this too, like you can think of this from a, an, from a, from a simple perspective of, of like even people who want to lose weight, right? Once they understand the fundamentals of what it takes, then they don 't need anybody to help them with that. They just sort of do it and and that is why education and empowerment is so so important also in the management of musculoskeletal pain
1: yeah, I think it's so important. The one word you keep echoing about this is management because you know and, and you know to either go to someone losing weight or. Or to someone with suffering from back pain, you know, acute at first, if, if you, you tell these people and you, you treat them and saying, okay, we're going to, as you said, get rid of this and get it out of your life. That could be disastrous mentally when they re injure it sometime in their life. It could be devastating because they were under the guise that, hey, this thing's gone. I never have to face it again. But if you treat it with management and say you're going to learn how to control this and live with it beside you and you'll be able to function, that's a much better place to launch from, I think, from, to your point about the word management, right?
0: absolutely and, and listen maybe my approach like the, the thing with me is i'm all about real talk so for me it's about giving people the reality and you know what john remember it's the stats right i said 80 percent of people that experience low back pain there are instances i'm sure there's people listening and i say well i had back pain when i was you know 30 and i'm 78 today and i've never and i've never felt back pain again that's fine you're, you're that other 20 percent. there are some things that actually quote-unquote, get cured. But my job as a clinician is to give people real talk on what the evidence is. This is this, that yeah. you know, this is unfortunately what could happen. And you've got to give people that. I think they appreciate that.
1: We'll take a short break. I want to talk as well eventually or very soon in the rest of the show about the genomic testing. I know you want to get to that. In the meantime, reach out here. And uh, you have issues, bring them on. 416-870-6400, either for yourself or on behalf of a colleague or a family member who's a little bashful. Let's talk about it and uh, get some answers. 416-870-6400. Any other time, info at pinpointhealth.ca and one 855 doctor Lou, D-R-L-O-U. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. It is an excellent, sunshiny Monday morning, yet yeah, you have time still to call in, and ask your questions. Dr. Lou here, ready to uh, to field all the calls, 416-870-6400. You have uh, musculoskeletal problems of that nature or anything else for the most part, give us a call, 416-870-6400. Okay, pal, take it away. Are we switching gears?
0: Yeah, I mean, you brought up the genomic testing, John, and mm. it's sort of uh, is something that's been a, a great interest for a lot of people that listen to this show um, and and have been very happy with um, you know getting it done. Now where where this sort of switches the conversation is this is very much more a wellness tool. So this is not diagnostic. This is when now I switch my hat from from a diagnostician and a, and a person dealing with client management for a specific problem to you know there's a benefit to obviously overall wellness and 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 I'm an advocate of that for, in a lot of different ways and you know, what, what this genomic testing can do is number one, some of the key questions that people ask me, number one, is it a complete genomic profile? No, there's, there's thousands of genomics. These are the ones, uh, based on uh, four or five big categories, mood and behavior, cardiovascular health, metabolism, uh, methylation and antioxidant things and, and genes within that, that have been shown to be associated with some things that could be proven on research. So, and there's a lot of different types of these tests out there. I've, I've decided to work with the company that I'm working with because it's more of a, of a healthcare professional recommended type of test where you're looking at some things. Um, but the one thing that is a great benefit for people uh, looking for overall wellness. So a lot of people have been using this test to sort of find out, you know, let's take the example of and, and where most people seem to be interested in all honesty out of those four or five sections that I mentioned is metabolism and cardiovascular health, right? So so this can sort of look at genetics and it will look, so in the cardiovascular report, uh, a number of genetics looking at you know predisposition and risk of things like uh, stroke and heart attack. And the big thing about genetics is genetics are, work on what's called a two-hit hypothesis. So you can have some type of genetic, but you need something that triggers it in order for it to be truly expressed. So some people have genetics that never Are expressed and some have them and they are what's really important that I tell people about this is that none of this means that something will happen it just gives you sort of an insight to where your genetics are so one of the things that I like to do when I'm speaking about this is use my own report that I had done uh, because number one it's mine and I could talk about whatever I want and I'm not you know breaching any any confidentiality issues but this is how I take this report so as an example um, you know I've got moderate risk of cardio Uh, based on this testing from a genomics perspective, uh, moderate to higher risk for cardiovascular events like heart attack and stroke. Um, So what does that mean for me? So like, let's start, let's take this section by section. So fine, now I know that, what does that mean? Well, that means I've got to take care of my cardiovascular health, right? And now take it a step further. Well, how do you do that? Well, you, you exercise. You do cardiovascular activity mainly, right? So this is where, you know, is it maybe more important for me to be lifting weights? Or is it more important for me to cycle, run? Well, it might be more important for me to cycle and run. Now, that doesn't mean weight training can't be part of it. But this is, mm-hmm. you know, you know, stereotypically when you go to a gym or when we could go to gyms, as you sort of uh, poked at before, John, uh, you would see the men all doing the weights, right? And the women all doing the cardio. But in my instance, I'm, I'm going to benefit from that cardiovascular activity because I'm at an increased risk of those things, okay? So that's really, really important. Then, you know, other things that showed up in my uh, genomic profile. One thing that I thought, for sure. you know, because I have a family history of a lot of people on my dad's side, everybody has diabetes. There's one specific gene that looks at um Insulin and and how well it responds, whether it responds well, moderate or low. And people that where responds low might be at an increased risk of diabetes. I thought for sure, for sure, I'm going to be in the group that's at highest risk for diabetes. Well, thankfully, it looks like I got my mom's genetics, and I'm not at that increased risk from a genetic profile. Now, the caveat here is diabetes is a lifestyle disease. If I eat junk, don't exercise, I could still develop it. But you know, one of the things that I struggled with for so long as I tried to always do the right things. But in the back of my mind, I always had this thing, like no matter what I do, I'm, I'm going to end up getting this, this horrible, um, you know, disease called diabetes. And now I'm able to sit there and say, well, no, I, I, that doesn't have to be the case. I can keep doing all these right things. I've got genetics seem to be on my side. If I can do the right things, then I have a pretty good chance of maybe never getting this. And, and that would be great. I've seen what it's done to my, you know, what it did to my dad, my uncles and all that stuff. And it was absolutely disastrous. So, you know, that that really created a level of reassurance for me uh, that I was so happy to find out. Because, again, it sort of, you know, gave me uh, more I guess, willpower to want to keep doing what I'm doing, right? And and, and so it was a nice thing to find out. And also, the, the other reason why I bring this up is, you know, people think, yeah, but I know what my parents had, so I know what I'm going to have. And that's not always the case, because you have two parents, and you have different genetics, right? So you might have more of one person than the other. And so that was a powerful thing. Um, one of the other things that really interests people is this can look at the ability, this genomic testing can look at the ability um, to... Uh, you know, if you consume fats or starches, which one is more likely to contribute to weight gain? And, and listen, if something contributes to weight gain, it's likely not good for your health. It's not something your body processes well. And this is really, really important because John, you know, this, how many people sit there thinking, okay, should I, should I be on a high fat diet? Like keto? Should I be on more of a high protein diet? Like the Atkinson's diet? Should I be on a more, um, starch based diet, like a vegetarian diet, like where is the right thing for me? Well, this removes a lot of the guessing game. And again, going back to my profile, I was able to find out that when it comes to fat consumption, I have no increased risk of weight gain. And so that makes the argument for a keto type of diet where you're working with high fats. Now, remember when I say fats and I say starches, I'm always, always talking about the good version of all of those, right? I'm not talking about, um, you know, fried foods or things, that's always going to be bad. I don't care what your genetic profile are. You, you want to eliminate that stuff. But in terms of, like, the, the, the choice that people make, like, should I have eggs or should I not have eggs? Should I eat avocados? Should I not eat them? Those are examples of two things that are very high in fat. And the question becomes, if you had, you know, uh, your genomics were the other way, where it said with fat, uh, with fat intake, you're more likely to gain weight. Well, those are the people that might eat eggs, avocados, uh, nuts um, olive oils, things like that. And they still gain weight and that, and that might be a detriment to their health. And on the starch side, I was able to find out that I have very bad starch metabolism so that when I'm eating them, it promotes weight gain. So I now know that I should focus more on a high fat, high protein diet. Um, that's more similar to say a keto or Atkinson's diet. And I don't have to guess anymore.
1: Knowledge is liberating for sure. You can get some as well. First of all, make a call here, and then we're going to give you details uh, more about this genomic testing that uh, Dr. Lou's talking about right now. 416-870-6400. you have any other health concerns? That's, uh, that's why the show is here. It is uh, 1145, so you still got some time. 416-870-6400. Pinpoint Health Show. Mobile News Radio. 11.49. We are going to continue on here for a few more minutes. 416-870-6400 is the way to uh, have your say, ask your questions. Antoinette, thank you so much for standing by. Good morning. How are you?
0: Good morning. I'm, I'm good. How about you?
1: Fantastic. Thanks for taking the time. What's uh, what's on your mind?
0: Uh, I missed um, the beginning of the show, and, and I don't know if Dr. Liu answered this question, but I'm just wondering... Is there any way for the general public to have access to the genomic testing? And if Great so, question. yeah, how do we go about doing this? Because I am on the keto diet right now, and I kind of hit a uh, the wall, so they call it, mm-hmm. and I'm sure. not losing any more weight. So I'm wondering, yeah. you know, if this, in fact, is the, the correct diet for me. Yeah, so so number one, there's a lot of genomic testing available out there, right? So, so, if you're doing like genomic testing on Google, um, uh, th- there's a you know you could do your research on on which one I'm using a particular company that I'm recommending for my patients that needs to be recommended by a health professional. Um, and so, but yeah, that that's the one that I'm using. But again, that's that's not the only one out there. But if you're you know interested in finding out more, I'm happy to to give you a call after the show just to explain more about exactly uh, the process and everything. But Um, there, there's lots of them out there, right? Like another, probably, you know, one of the more well-known examples is 23andMe that people have probably heard about, right? That's, that's a genomic type of test that looks at, um, different things. Now, I don't know exactly what the other ones look at. Um, so, so it may be different, but there's a lot of options out there. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Sure. I'd uh, like to to you after the program. Yeah. Not a problem. Okay.
1: Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Antoinette. Appreciate that. And I'll give you the number, and I'll do it again before we we wrap up. A one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou. D R L O U. And you know that's that's kind of an important point that uh, Antoinette brought up, and you, and you made mention of it. This isn't the type of thing where it's like, gee, I wonder if I'm part Irish and part Lithuanian. It, 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 that's that's not what you're no, going no, after no. here,
0: right? No. No. No, this is genomics very much specific to those uh, that's more like an ancestry type of test that's not what yeah. this is right This is more tailored towards again those four or five categories that I mentioned and looking at those different areas and again, more from a wellness perspective um so you know like like that collar um, you know when you're when you're considering your wellness program, maybe your diet, your exercise, is there something different that you could be doing that um, You know, might if you knew something about, you know, the way you're made, um, is there some benefit in that that might help you change something? And and the answer most of the time is yes. Um, You know, a lot of people will sort of find the diet that works for them anyways through trial and error that that's not, um, you know, it's by no means like rocket science or or something that's like, you know, like crazy, a uh, crazy unknown that you'd never know a lot of people sort of inherently know, like, yeah, no, I know, when I eat carbs, I never do as well as if I don't eat them. Or, you know, if I eat dairy, I know that I don't do well, or blah, 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 people sort of through trial and error in their lives have figured um, out what might be the more ideal diet. And, and again, even with me, um, you know, my genomics w- was able to tell me for sure. Uh, but I sort of knew that again, based on trial and error in my life where I knew that protein he- healthy, healthy fats and proteins were better than, than starches.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you can ballpark it, but it's good to get more of a, a finite answer when you go through this test. What, uh, what's it, what exactly is involved with, uh, with getting this genomic testing done? It, I, from what you said before, it's not very complicated.
0: No, not complicated at all. It starts, it's a simple phone call with me. Um, if you want the one that I'm recommending, again, you, mm-hmm. anyone could go, there's a lot of these out there. Um, it's a simple phone call with me. I just want to make sure that, you know, from a, that you're getting it for the right reason. I've had some people call me and say, well, I've got this problem and I want to know if there's a reason for it. And, and that's more diagnostic. And it's like, well, that's not what this is for. Um, you know, if you're looking for overall wellness, sort of like the last caller is a good example. Like I want to know, you know, if, if my body's genomics are ideal for certain types of diets, that's more of a wellness type of thing versus, Hey, I have this particular disease and, and I want to know. And I've also told people like, you know, find, like, i've had people that have called me with diabetes because they've heard what i've said about insulin and they say i want to find out if i have the genomics it's like well it's irrelevant at that point you have the outcome which is diabetes like that's where your focus should be right your focus should right. be on on managing the diabetes knowing whether you have an underlying predisposition genetically or not doesn't change the fact that you have it and 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 so that that becomes and i want to make sure I'm, I'm always an advocate um, when people have to spend money on their health, that they're not spending it in in a in sort of a circle, that they're not going to get any further ahead, and and so um, it starts with that. And then if it's something you're interested in, uh, it, it's simple. Then then uh, we get it ordered for you. Uh, it's a it comes directly to your house. It's a saliva based test. Um, you follow the instructions. You mail it out. The lab uh, creates a a report that's sent to you. You know somewhere between six to eight weeks later, um, and then we can go through it and just sort of. Uh, you know, digest all the information that's there and sort of look at uh, what all of it may or may not mean.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, if you, if you decide to go and spend the money on it, and I, and I think just based on the science, it is money well spent. Why? Because you take someone like Antoinette or myself, who uh, a certain diet you, you have and you hold, and yet that's working when you're 50. That diet may not have worked when you're 20. It may have changed when you're 40. But your genetics, your genes, you got them for life.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and the reason why it's sort of empowering, and again, I'll go back to my example, is there's been times in my life where I've contemplated, say, more of a vegetarian diet, where I've wondered, like, would I get more results if I went on a more vegetarian type of diet? But the sacrifice with the vegetarian diet is because you're not eating a lot of those meats. It, there's a lot of carbs that are involved, right? Fruits, vegetables, uh, rice, uh, breads, and those can all be healthy options. I'm not, I'm not saying that it has to be bad bread, like just purely refined sugar or whatever. No, you could still get it in good ways, potatoes, carrots. Um, But knowing that I don't metabolize starch well sort of made it an easier choice for me where it's like, no, I just, I got to stick with what I'm doing. And, and maybe it's more of an exercise thing at this point that I've got to change. I've got to shock my system in a different way. And it's not necessarily the diet. And, uh, and that's an important thing. And then that way, you're not sort of you know, yo-yoing between different things. And I think that's a lot of times what hinders people's achievements too, when it comes to their overall wellness is because there's so many different things out there. So many different things to try that, you know, the, the minute someone finds a plateau, they think, okay, let me completely overhaul it and change it completely. But that may not be what's necessary. Um, ideally from your genetics, you may be doing the right things and it's just maybe not a diet question anymore as much as it is an exercise question or maybe it's a rest question, right? Like there's a lot of people just think it's diet and exercise, but it might be sleep. It might be hydration. Uh, it, it might be uh, stress level. So there's a lot of things that contribute and you could sort of start eliminating things and look for the other aspects that, that may be hindering your wellness goals.
1: Finally, before we uh, get out of here, what's the, uh, what's the uh, cost of it, Dr. Lu?
0: Yeah. So the lab charges $550. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, plus HST and shipping. And that, that is their fee, um, for, for this type of test. I know there's ones out there that are, are, are much cheaper, but again, I sort of think that this one provides uh, great value from that wellness perspective. It looks very much at what I, from a healthcare professional standpoint would be interested for people to know for wellness. Um, so it's by no means the cheapest, but I, I think there's really good research that the company has put behind all of this. And, uh, yeah, the unfortunate part, not covered by OHIP, not covered by extended health plans, unless maybe there's a health spending account, maybe something like that. But, you know, for me, that stuff, and, and this might sound biased, it's irrelevant. Like, if, if, you're not, if you're interested in your health, you've got to spend money on it. And as a society, we spend so much money on so many things. I don't see any reason why, if, if this is of interest, why not to spend the money? And, and, and again, there's a lot of that goes into creating that genomic profile
1: couldn't agree more and we'll leave it at that you want to reach out 185555 Dr Lou D-R-L-O-U. have a chat about your own personal health as well and 185555 Dr Lou info at pinpointhealth.ca we'll do it again next weekend pinpoint health show global news radio.